welcome and thank you for joining this week's podcast with the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams. In this week's message, the Archbishop ministers on striving for mastery, how to live in the power and revelation of the Spirit. Discover how to overcome and access the divine nature of God to gain mastery. Discover more about prayer strategies in the Archbishop's book, Prayer Moves God. Buy your copy today at ndwministries.org. Know today that this is God's word of empowerment for you. Be encouraged as you listen. I want to talk to you about a message that I've been working on. I don't know if I can finish it today, but I probably will continue on Wednesday entitled Striving for Mastering. Tell somebody, Strive for Mastering. Give somebody a high five and tell them again, Strive for Mastering. Put your hands together, give God a shout and a praise. Romans, Romans the 8th chapter. And the first verse, Romans 8 and 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. This is a very serious and important scripture, and we need to look at it carefully. We need to look at the pretext, the pretext to appreciate the context of the text. Amen. He said, There is now therefore. There is now, therefore, no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Which stands to reason that you can be in Christ and walk after the flesh and not after the spirit. You can be in Christ and be carnal. You can be in Christ and mess up. You can be in Christ and miss the mark if you walk after the flesh and not after the spirit. So the only way you can have true mastering is for you to be led or driven by the spirit or walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. Because the tendency to walk after the flesh and to be carnal even though you are in Christ is there. Somebody say he's there. Tell somebody, you can be in Christ and still be carnal. For the Bible says, by strength shall no man prevail. The Bible says, the Lord shall count iniquity who can stand or who shall stand. Then the Bible says, not by might, nor by power, but it's by my spirit, said the Lord. Somebody say, I hear you. So, hear me. This is a reminder to remind you, every one of us, including myself, that you can be in Christ and be carnal if you walk after the flesh. And so we need to be reminded every now and then that being in Christ is not enough. You have to walk after the spirit to have mastering. Because if you don't walk after the spirit, you can be in Christ and be carnal. And I have to remind myself every now and then that, hey, you are in Christ. Because 
you are faced with all kinds of situations on daily basis. Anger, for instance, is the work of the flesh that can get you to miss the map. Simple anger. And I'll show you examples in the Bible. Great men, great women stood before Elohim, had relationship with Adonai, and missed it because of anger, impatience, things like fear, discouragement, great prophet, great prophet like Elijah, one of the best that ever lived, missed it at the end because of discouragement. He threw in the towel and gave up. He was discouraged. After great triumph of life and ministry, he got discouraged and gave up. Tell somebody don't quit. And the reason why this message is so critical is because what you don't deal with and master or conquer or overcome today can destroy you at your latter end. So we need to confront it. And, and every day we are faced with something or the other. Every day we are faced with trials, temptations. I was telling them at the first service that for some people, common dessert, common dessert, common vanilla ice cream or strawberry ice cream is their greatest struggle. Look at me anywhere you want to look at me. Some people is chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. As simple as chocolate is, it's a serious problem for some sisters and some brothers. Chocolate. You are looking at me. Everybody is dealing with something. Tell somebody, do you know you are dealing with a demon? You, you have a demon. I know you are in Christ, but you are battling with a demon. And some of you, your greatest battle is your flesh. Tell somebody, your flesh, your flesh is your greatest demon. And I know, I know you are born again and I know you are in Christ. I said to them in the first service that a lot of people get shocked in the church when they see Christians acting in a certain way. They, they, they get shocked and say, how? In the church? Christians? I thought I left the world and I've come to God and I'm in church. And look at what church people are doing <clears throat> in the church. Jealousy, envy, all these speculations. Rumor mongering, lies, misrepresentation, hatred. And you mean this is also in church, in the choir? I, can't, I, thought, I, thought, church is, I thought church is full of angels. You are, you are naive. Naivety. There are no angels in the church. The church is full of sinners like you and I. We are all sick people. And we come to church to be healed. All of us, we are sick. Including myself, we need healing. Give somebody a high five and say, just want to remind you that you need healing. You, you need healing. Look at me. There are no angels in the church. Bible says that when the sons of God gathered the other day, Satan was in the mix of them. And none of the sons of God knew that Satan had come in the midst of them, except God. It was only God who descended and said, Satan, what do you want here? And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place looking for something to do. And he said, okay, let me give you something to do, but you can't be here. You, you are not invited. 
you can't be here. Get out. I'll give you something to do. Go, 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 go tempt Job. Go test Job. But here, you can't be here. The sons of God gathered and Satan was in the mix of them. When the children of Egypt left Egypt, Pharaoh pursued them to bring them back. And the Bible said, when an evil spirit leaves a man, he goes walking in dry places. And the evil spirit will say, I will return to my house from whence I came. So every one of us, before we got born again, Satan was our master. We serve him. Sin was our master. And we were slaves. And demons and Satan hasn't given up. They are still looking for ways and means to get us to come back. And to, and to lord it over us again. And the best way they can get you and I is to come into the church, follow you into the church, and find ways of means to use people in the church to get at you, including me, the Archbishop. They can use anything to get you out. They can tell you that I'm preaching you, even though your name is not in the Bible. They can tell you I don't like you. So so and so don't like you. They are talking about you. Did you see the way they look at you? They hate you. They are jealous of you. They are envious of you. They whisper. We call it whisperings. There are whisperings in the church. So don't be fooled. And the best place he can get hold of you is in the church. Because out there, it's easy to discern when unbelievers are on your case. You understand that they are unbelievers. So they can be used by demons. But in the church, you don't expect demons to operate in the church. You expect angels and Holy Spirit to operate. You are joking. Demons work in the church. They work through people. They work through you and I. So stop looking at me that way and stop having that mentality. Oh, that in the church we are all angels. Who told you? There are no angels in the church. There are human beings like you and I in the church. Say yes. Somebody say, thank you, Papa. Thank you for waking me up. You've been sleeping. You've been fooled and deceived. The spirit of Pharaoh has pursued you to the church. He knows that you come here for refuge, for deliverance, for the way to build your faith, to strengthen you. So if he can come and attack you at the source of your spiritual strength and power and get you out of here, and back out there, he has a hold on you. So he will come and attack you in the church. So stop being surprised and being shocked. When you see church people acting some way, don't be shocked. Don't be surprised because this is the best place. Pharaoh can follow you in order to get you to come back into bondage. So don't be fooled and stop being deceived. And it doesn't matter how many churches you change, he will pursue you till he gets hold of you. And any plant that keeps being planted and uprooted, planted and uprooted, planted and uprooted, never bears fruit. Stay planted. And hear me, every promised land God has for you, there are giants there. But they mean nothing to the promise of God. They are nothing. The problem is not the giants, it's you. It's how you perceive it. They said, we were in our eyes as grasshoppers. And so were we in their eyes. 
They saw themselves as grasshoppers, so they, they acted as grasshoppers, and their enemies saw them as grasshoppers. How do you see and perceive yourself? Can be in Christ and miss it, so don't be fooled. Being in Christ is not enough. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So if you walk after the flesh, you can be in Christ and walk after the flesh, you always be under guilt. But if you walk by the spirit and after the spirit, you know, some of you, African movies. You can sit behind African movie 27 hours. And you say, me, I don't drink. I don't sing. African movie. What you feed the most is what grows the most. You are feeding your emotions. So you are emotionally driven and emotionally controlled. Polluting your mind with all kinds of philosophies and superstitions by African movies. Not feeding your faith with the word of God. African movie. It gets hold of you. What is it that has a hold on you? As a child of God, being in Christ, nothing must have a hold on you. And the only way you can master whatever you are dealing with is when you walk after the spirit and not after your flesh. Jealousy. Jealousy is in the church. Envy is in the church. Fear. Some people, they can't sleep in the night with the dark. They have to leave the light on. They can't sleep in darkness. As soon as the light goes up, who is there? Tell someone, there's nobody there. It's you that is there. Did you hear what I heard? I didn't hear anything. I heard you. But the fact that you can sleep in darkness and somebody else cannot sleep in the darkness but needs light does not give you the audacity to be critical of that person. Because you may not have fear of darkness but you have fear of something else. You know there are some people they have fear of dogs. Fear of cats, fear of cockroach, cockroach, cockroach as common as cockroach is. It can cause some people to shiver and call upon Jesus. Some people snake. All kinds of things scares people. Everybody is dealing with something. But we have to learn to bear with one another and cannot be critical of others. No matter what they do or they go through, because God deals with everybody at their own pace and level. The way God deals with me is different from the way he deals with you. I have learned to be patient with people because I've seen people I'm in church that act some way and you look at them as if there is no hope for them and suddenly they turn around. And you ask yourself, is that so, so and so? Oh yeah, you know when we go to heaven a lot of you will be shocked. 
Because there are some people we thought would never go to heaven. Eh? You'll see them there. And one of the conclusions I've come to is this. And that is why I've learned not to be critical of people and to judge people. Apart from what 1 Corinthians 4 says, that let no man judge anyone until the coming of the Lord. Because when he comes, then shall the secret of all men be revealed. And the things in darkness will come out. Is this. I've come to the conclusion, even dealing with my own kids, that it's not everything I talk about. It's not everything. Sometimes I say, hey, don't do this and be careful, be careful, be careful, be careful. Do, do, do. I stop. I pray and deploy the Holy Spirit. Because I've come to the conclusions, eh? when people change without the conviction of the Holy Ghost, they'll do it again. It will keep happening. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Even with my wife and my children, loved ones, I have to let the Holy Spirit convict them. Because the Bible says, it's the Spirit that convicts of sin, judgment, and of righteousness. It's the Spirit. Not man, not the preacher. Not the archbishop. It's the Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit does not convict people of sin, judgment, and of righteousness, and of anything, and we try to force them to change, it's a matter of time to go back to it. But when the Spirit convicts, when the Spirit convicts, and they get it by the Spirit, by illumination and revelation, and they walk away, you have a son, you have a daughter, you have a friend, and you have a loved one. Come on, put your hands together. And that is what we need in the church. We need to deploy the Holy Spirit to work in the church to convict people instead of forcing people to change. That's why people come to me and say, Papa, you have to talk about some of these sisters, the way they dress. Hmm? Got to preach it from the pulpit. That is not part of my, my message. My assignment is not to tell sisters how to preach. That is the responsibility of the elder women in the church. The elder women must call them aside and love them and talk to them in love. Not to criticize them and be hard on them. And hear me, hear me. Billy Graham said, avoid the second look. And I'll show you why. The first time you can see her shim on your face like that, you can't control that one. But after you see her, the first one, don't get into curiosity to say, let me check it out. <laughs> Avoid the second look. So after the first time, you can't control that. But the second one, you can control it. Look somewhere else and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Tell somebody, avoid the second look. And I'll show you why you must avoid the second look. You see, if we can understand these simple principles, Christianity is enjoyable, is possible, is effective, is exciting. But we are so uptight, judgmental of everybody, and we become hypocrites like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They're sad to see people. Pharisees, far to see the truth. Hmm? Can't do that. Look at Luke chapter 4, verse 33. 
Luke 4, 33. And in the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil. Where, 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 where was the man with the spirit of an unclean devil? Where? In the synagogue. Where? Go ahead. And he cried out with a loud voice. He was in the church. Look at Mark. Mark chapter 1. Verse 23. And there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out. Where was the, where was the demon? Where? <laughs> the what? The unclean spirit. The demon was where? In the church. So stop being fooled. The trick of the devil is to isolate you in the church. So you are in the church, but you are not committed, you are not rooted, you are not planted, you are not involved, you are isolated. Isolation leads to elimination. You got to be involved. Cut your left hand or your right hand or leg. You see what the pain your whole body goes through. It's dangerous to be in the church and not be involved in anything. It's spiritual suicidal. I'm telling you. What you feed the most grows the most. You don't feed your spirit once a week. You will die spiritually. Marriages are dying today because we are not feeding our love. And what you don't feed will die. Just wishing and expecting and design that your marriage should work, don't guarantee it. It won't work. You have to feed faith. You have to feed your love. And the love will feed the relationship. If you don't feed it, and you feed every other thing, all the things you are feeding and paying attention to will live. But what you are not feeding and ignoring will die. Because God put it together does not mean you shouldn't feed love. If you don't feed it, it will die. Come with me to the book of Genesis 4-7. Let me run through some few scriptures quickly. Genesis 4-7. Mm -hmm. I'm reading from the Amplified. Amplified. If you do well, will you not be accepted? Mm -hmm. And if you do not do well, sin crouches at your door. Mm -hmm. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. He said, master it. Be a master of sin. That means overcome it, conquer it. Be Lord over it. But it desires to have you sin has a desire to have you to lord it over you what was the sin here jealousy and envy jealousy and envy of his own brother and he didn't master it he didn't deal with it and he led to murder and slew his brother in cold blood his own blood brother flesh of his flesh and blood of his blood. He slew him in cold blood. Murder. But it was jealousy and envy that was not addressed and dealt with. You can be in Christ and be jealous and be envious of your brethren. In the church. You can be jealous and envious of others. In the church. In Christ. If you walk after the flesh and not after the spirit. Turn to somebody and say, are you envious and jealous of anyone? Numbers 20. 
10 to 12, the meekest man that ever lived. Look at something that happened to him. 80 years of following God and he was disqualified at the end. May we not be disqualified. And this is the reason why I'm reminding you and myself that you can walk with God and serve God and be in church and be in Christ. And if you don't walk after the spirit, you can live a carnal life. And there is a possibility that at the end of the race, we can be disqualified. But may God forbid. Paul said, I bring my body under. What does that mean? I buffet. I master my body, my emotions. Less after that I have preached to others, I myself be disqualified. You can win the race. And if you go against the rules of engagement, you can win the race and be disqualified. May we not be disqualified. In the name of Jesus. Go ahead. Numbers and Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with, the, with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank, and their beasts also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because ye believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. You see, two things here. One is unbelief. Unbelief. Tell somebody, you either believe or you don't believe. There's no middle ground. Simple. He said, because you believe me not, unbelief is something we must master and deal with. So you can be in Christ. If you walk after the flesh, you will walk in unbelief. And Moses did not believe God with Aaron. God said, speak to the rock. And he smote the rock. Number two, it was an anger problem. And he inherited it from his grandfather, Levi. Levi, the son of Jacob. That anger problem was swimming in the bloodline from his grandfather to his father and to him. Anger. It was anger that compelled him to kill the Egyptian man. It was anger that compelled him to destroy the Ten Commandments the first time. Anger. And this time around, this anger, the man was the meekest man upon the earth. And yet, there was this negative current and this negative energy flowing in the bloodline from the grandfather Levi till the age of 80 years. After 80 years of working with God, 120 years old, 80 years of working with God, and that anger prevented him from entering the promised land. Whatever it is in your life and in my life, program to disqualify us at the end of the race through the blood of Jesus, let it be taken out of the way. Let it be canceled, canceled. In the name of Jesus, say amen. Anger, you have to master it. If you don't master it, it will destroy you at your latter end. One of the problems of the strongest man that ever lived, Samson, Samsonite suitcases, you know, is named after him. Samsonite, Samson, strong, strong. Strongest man that ever lived, than Hercules, you name it. What killed and destroyed Samson was one thing, he was a loner. He didn't move with anybody. He was strong and he was smart. 
I worry about smart people. People who are smart, they always figure it out. But wise people don't figure it out. Wise people take precaution. Prevention is better than cure. Don't be smart, be wise. Tell somebody, don't be smart, be wise. Knowledge makes you smart, but experience makes you wise. Amen. First Samuel chapter 13 verse 10, King Saul, King Saul, two problems he had here, King Saul, two problems, look at it. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. You see, if you study the scriptures carefully, you find out that the prophet told him he will come to him in seven days. He said, I'll come in seven days to perform the sacrifice. So gather all of Israel. First day, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Seven day, he didn't come in the morning. He didn't come in the afternoon. And the Bible said that the people began to scatter and everybody started leaving and going home because the prophet hadn't come. And two problems he had. Number one is image. 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 And it's a big problem in the church. Image. Being in the good books of people and how people perceive you. Political correctness. That was his number one problem. The people were living. He was the king, the president. He had promised the people that the prophet was coming. And they had waited until the seventh day. And people began to leave. He felt embarrassed. I've given my word. The prophet has disappointed me. The people are not coming. And it wasn't his lot to perform the sacrifice. And yet he took it upon himself on the seventh day. And the prophet came as soon as the seventh day he came. But he didn't come in the morning. He didn't come in the afternoon. He came somewhere in the evening. And the Bible said as soon as. He performed the sacrifice, which was not his lot to perform. The prophet came and said, why did you do what you did? Why? Didn't I tell you I'll come on the seventh day? The second problem he didn't deal with was impatient. And a lot of us are impatient with God. And we are impatient with one another. Sometimes somebody say, delayance. Somebody say, delayants are not denials. Sometimes we can wait and wait and wait. And just before the miracle, we throw in the towel and say, I'm tired. God understands. And we try something else. Just when the miracle is about to happen, you get weary. You get tired. You become impatient. And you quit. It's dangerous. When you've waited all these years, to quit like that. If you wait a little longer, you see the miracle. But God never comes on your terms. He comes on his own terms. In his time, he makes all things beautiful. Job 14, 14, the Bible says, for all the days 
of my appointed time. I will wait till my change comes. And waiting is difficult, but waiting is a sign of spiritual maturity. It doesn't matter how gifted you are, how anointed you are. If you can't wait, you are not mature. Spiritual maturity requires the capacity to endure stamina, waiting power. And it's difficult. Oh, yeah. When it comes to waiting, I don't like waiting at all. That's why you, you hear the name, action, action. I want it now. But the Bible said, running the race set before you with speed. Is that what it says? Speed, but what? Patience. Endurance. Staying power. Tell somebody, wait. Tell them, it's painful. But you got to wait. Amen. Look at Second Samuel chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. And it came to pass, after the year was expired, mm -hmm. at the time when kings go forth to battle. You see, at the time, it was a particular time. I pray that you won't miss your timing. I pray that no man and woman here will miss your timing. In the name of Jesus, say yes. yes. Say, I will not miss my timing. One of the tricks of the enemy is to manipulate times and seasons to get you and I to miss it. But I pray that you won't miss it this week. You will not miss it this week. First Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. And we are doing everything else. We are criticizing, we are condemning, we are murmuring, we are complaining. But we are not doing what the Bible says. First, first, he said, I exhort. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, before you take the offering, the tithe, praise, worship, testimony, everything, I exhort, first of all, first of all, I exhort. I exhort, I exhort, therefore, that first of all. First of what? First of what? First of all, before the choir sings, first of all, I exalt therefore that first of all, what? Supplication. What is supplication? Petition. Petition. Appeal to God. Appeal. Ask. Make demand before the throne. Beg. Then he said prayers. Plural. Prayers. All kinds of prayers. Deploy all kinds of prayers. Then he said, intercession. Stand between the porch and the altars. Hold back the powers of evil. There are forces of evil that want to hijack the destiny of this country. And all we are doing is criticizing and attacking and complaining. And they can say, Papa, things are bad. As if I'm not in this country. As if I don't live here. I live here. I feel what you are feeling. I feel what you are feeling. But I have to go God's way. I got to do it God's way. And then he said, intercession, giving of tongues, be made for all men, whether they are Christians, Muslims, Jews, whatever, for all men. Go ahead. For kings, presidents, 
presidents, for kings, for kings. The, what do you call it? Uh, the Togbe, the Togbe of the Volta, and the Amagahos. Pray for them. Hmm? And Gamanche, and all that are in authority that we may lead world. Look at the benefits. A quiet. You know what that quiet word, that word quiet means? Calm, un, undisturbed atmosphere. An atmosphere conducive for business and investments. That's number one benefit if we do that. Number two, peace. Peace. Peace is the second benefit. And we won't have peace unless we do it God's way. Condemning and criticizing will not give us peace. Now, I'm not saying things are not bad because I live in this country. I'm not saying everything is okay. And I'm not saying the people in authority are angels. That's not what I'm saying. But if we don't do it God's way, the forces of evil will hijack the nation. Hear me? It's not about how intelligent you are. You can be intelligent and spirit will embarrass you. You can be intelligent and smart if you don't walk by the spirit even though you are in Christ. This flesh can embarrass you. Come on, put your hands together and give God some praise. So he said peace. Look at the next one after peace. The second benefit, the third one. Godliness. He said godliness. 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 That doesn't come by talking and grumbling and complaining and fighting ourselves. We're destroying ourselves. That's what we're doing. The next one, after godliness, is honesty. Those are benefits if we pray for those in authority. But those things won't come by attacking, criticizing, being critical. It's not going to come. We either do it God's way or our way. And he said, my ways are not your ways. Neither am I taught your thoughts. Your ways will lead you to destruction. The Bible said there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. And the end thereof is death. Your own way will lead you to death. Second Samuel 11, 1 and 2. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. And it came to pass after the year was expired. Mm -hmm. At the time when kings go forth to battle. Mm -hmm. That David sent Joab mm -hmm. and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. Uh -huh. And it came to pass in an even time uh -huh. that David arose from off his bed. His own bed. His bed. Go ahead. And walked upon the roof of the king's house. He walked upon the roof of his own house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. Look at me. It doesn't matter how anointed and gifted you are and how intelligent and smart you are. Satan can show you something. Turn to somebody and say, what are you seeing? And to another person and say, what has he shown you? What has he shown you? Or what is he showing you? He took Jesus to a high mountain and the Bible said he did what? He showed him the riches and the glory of this world. He can show you something. Go ahead. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Somebody say, mercy. 
And David sent and inquired after the woman. David did what? He sent and inquired after the woman. Uh -huh. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, mm -hmm. the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Mm -hmm. And David sent messengers and took her. And she came in unto him, and he lay with her. But she was purified. Billy Graham said, Billy Graham said, Avoid the second look. If he had mastered that issue by the first look, the rest wouldn't have happened. You know what led him to it? Two things. Curiosity. He wanted to check it out. Tell somebody, don't check it out. Number two, David's triumph was a result of the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant. And this time, the Ark of the Covenant was at the battlefield and he was in his palace without the presence of God. For those of you who don't come to Wednesday services, you can be ensnared in your own palace. He was in his own palace. And the enemy got him right there in his own palace. When he should have been at the field of battle where the presence of God was, he was in his own palace enjoying the comfort of his palace. That was when it happened. I'd rather be in the wilderness and in the desert with his presence than to be in the beauty of my palace without the presence of God. It's a good place to put your hands together to shout and give God the glory. Come on, shout and say yes. Come with me to 1 Kings chapter 11 and verse 1. And King Solomon loved many strange women. Solomon has a problem. And this problem, eh, it's been in the blood. It started from Abraham. When you study my teaching on patterns of the bloodline, paradigms, you see there. Issue of Solomon, it came from the great grandfather, God's friend, Daddy Abraham. And David had the same issue, and nobody mastered it. Look at what became of Solomon. Go ahead. And Solomon, Solomon loved many strange women, together uh -huh. with the daughter of Pharaoh, uh -huh. women of the Moabites, uh -huh. Ammonites, uh -huh. Edomites, uh -huh. Zidonians, hey. and Hittites. Aladu Gadalabasada. Hey! Read it one more time. But King Solomon loved many strange women. What do you love? Turn to someone and say, what do you love? And turn to somebody and say, why do you love strange things? Because some of you, you are in Christ, but you love strange things. I've seen some sisters, they don't like good men. They like sick men. In the church. I know what I'm telling you. I, I said, I how about this one? I said, oh no, this one, I don't like him that way. I like him as a brother, not that way. So what are the type and the kinds you want? Sick and crazy. Orangus. <laughs> Luciferians. Those are the kind, they like men that will beat them, maltreat them, mishandle them. And if you look at their bloodline, all the women in their family go for strange men. Lazy men, men who don't work. And the women will work and feed them. Those are the kind that type, strange. 
Come on, shout. Put your hands together and give God praise. Finish reading it quickly. But King Solomon loved many strange women. Together many, with, not few, many strange women. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh. Pharaoh's daughter. Women of the Moabites. Hey. Ammonites. Jesus. Edomites. Yes. Zidonians. Yehovah. And Hittites. Mercy. Put your hands together and shout mercy. All right. Let's finish quickly. First Kings 19, 2 and 3. First Kings 19, 2 and 3. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, uh -huh. So let the gods do to me and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah and left his servant there. He, he gave up the ministry. He went on retirement. Yeah. When he heard, he saw. What did he see? He saw what Jezebel said. Jezebel didn't appear to him. Spirit of intimidation, fear, threatenings, inhibition, discouragement. If you don't master it, it can destroy you. After such a great triumph of calling fire from heaven, he ran from the message of a woman called Jezebel. Spirit of intimidation and threatenings. Discouragement. And one of his problems was the fact that he was a loner. He walked alone. He was so anointed that there was nobody. He had no peers. Learn to relate to others. Connect. Be part of the church. Be planted. Don't be on your own. Stay alone, you die alone. There are people who have died in their apartments and nobody knew they were dead. Because they weren't connected to anybody. They were loners, minding their own business. Don't trust anybody. Don't connect to anybody. God never intended that anybody should be an island to themselves. Everybody needs somebody. Tell somebody, you may not need me today. You may not need me right now. Because I don't mean anything to you. But you will need me one of these days. I'm telling you. He didn't deal with it. He didn't master it. And at the greatest point of his life, at the peak of ministry, he had to resign, return, and give up. And God said, okay, come home. And he was taking off the sin prematurely. I pray through the blood of Jesus that nobody here will be taking off the sin prematurely. I pray that you will not be taken away in the mix of your pick. But you need to learn mastering. Have to master your fears. Master the feeling of discouragement. Oh, I've been there several times. I've been at a place where I wanted to throw in the towel and quit and give up. Sometimes you follow congregation members and you follow betrayers, people that have betrayed me and stabbed me at the back, people that I gave them my microphone, my pulpit, gave them exposure, open doors for them, and they use the openings I gave them to stab me and exploited my congregation and had people who have worked on for years follow them and lead them into error and mischief. And if I try to rescue and save those people, they turn against me when I'm trying to rescue them. So I have to leave them and trust God. And if I follow after that, I'll be a very, very bitter person. And I don't want to age badly. But I don't want to be bitter. 
I don't want to be bitter. And if I walk after the flesh, I'll be a very bitter person because I've seen all kinds of betrayals at all levels. People scheming against you, looking into things, your business is trying to find something to hurt you, to discredit you, to embarrass you, to shame you, hey, to silence your voice. Meanwhile, you haven't done anything to them, but they've been incited and injected by demons, spirit of hatred, to bring you down, to make a point, but may they be disappointed in the name of Jesus. And may the evil they have intended for us turn for our good. May God give us double honor for our shame. In the name of Jesus. Hey. Please be seated. Demas. Let's look at 2 Timothy 4.10. For New Demas, Demas has forsaken me. New Testament. Demas has forsaken me. Having loved this present world. Having loved this present. You know there are people, eh? They love this world and God. And there are people in church, but they love this world. They love their tribes than the church. They love their football clubs than they love God. They love this world. They will choose this world of their tribe to Christ and to God. Demas have forsaken me. Having loved this present world mm -hmm. and, is and is departed uh -huh. unto Thessalonica, mm -hmm. Christians to Galatia and Titus unto Dalmatia. Forsake and give up the things of God because of the love of this world. He came back later on. He came back after many years. Came back to himself. I pray that you come to yourself. Let me give you one scripture. Luke chapter 22 verse 3. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, mm -hmm. being of the number of the twelve. Being what? Of the number of the twelve. Being what? One of the twelve. Turn to somebody and say, what has entered you? No, ask them, what has entered you? Because you can be in Christ and be in the church, and offenses can enter you. Unforgiveness can enter you. Envy can enter you. Jealousy can enter you. Fear can enter you. Discouragement can enter you. Arrogance can enter you. Pride can enter you. What has entered you? Ask somebody. Ask two people. Excuse me. Excuse me. This is not me. Papa said I should ask you. It's Papa or it's not me. It's Papa. He said I should ask you. What has entered you? Can be in church. And you are sitting down there. Even this message I'm preaching, something has entered you. Yeah. A whispering spirit has entered you. And he's telling you that I'm preaching you, even though you are not in the Bible. We know you are blessed by that word of God and look forward to you joining the messages of the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams again. For more information on our events, books, and messages, please visit NDW Ministries online at www.ndwministries.org or call our offices on plus one eight seven seven three six one five one one one. Once again, thank you for joining the Archbishop today. And may you continue to experience the life-transforming power of God's blessings.